Welcome to Mind, America's Lignite Energy Podcast, brought to you by Lignite Energy Council of North Dakota. Here's your host, Kate Mungerud. All right, and welcome to Mind, Lignite Energy in America. Thank you guys for joining us for another week. We are so happy to have you listening. Uh, you guys, this week is another big week. We are talking with um, Mr. Jason Lom. He is the Assistant Director of Advanced Energy Systems at the Energy and Environmental Research Center. I know that we have also interviewed a couple other folks over at the EERC. Um, so, Jason, welcome. Glad to have you. Hey, thanks. I'm uh, really happy to be here. Excited to talk about uh, some of the work that we have going on. Very cool. Me too. Um, definitely, definitely looking forward to it. So, Jason, Advanced Energy Systems, talk to me about what the EERC is focused on with that area. Well, so Advanced Energy Systems is a, is a pretty big umbrella. We're looking at anything that can support current energy systems development. Uh, in you know, this is instant the you know, most uh, I guess uh, probable projects would be working on is with CO2 capture. And we're doing a lot of work with carbon capture. Uh, and on the new generation side of things, we'd be looking at, you know, new platforms for uh, energy generation. Uh, one of the things we've looked at over the past few years is uh, an advanced power generation cycle that instead of using water and steam, uses CO2. So a lot of things CO2-centric and CO2-focused right now. That's very cool. So what what's a day in the life for Jason? What is what does your day look like? You know, what are you kind of focused on all these different areas or is it specifically that carbon capture? I spend a lot of my time working on the carbon capture area, the CO2 capture area. I also spend uh, uh, a decent amount of my time working on producing other products from coal, you know, other than electricity. Uh, uh, I have a researcher in the group that is working on uh, something called uh, graphene, being able to make graphene from our very own uh, lignite, which can be used in uh, a lot of products. And also we're working on extraction of um, special metals out of out of lignites called rare earth elements that are used in a lot of our electronic devices. Um, and anything that has a battery in it has rare earth elements in it. So uh, working on this really a, a large portfolio of projects, but the bulk of my time is spent on CO2 or carbon capture work. That's awesome. Yeah, we actually had, I think it was a few episodes ago, we talked about those rare earth elements, and um, I, I just was kind of amazed at all the things that they are, are utilized and we're using them for that I had no idea. So so the graphene, talk to me about that a little bit, From that's from Lignite specifically? Yes, from Lignite specifically, we just started a project under our state energy research uh, center funding. The EERC was designated as the state energy research center, uh, the last biennium by the North Dakota legislature. And one of the projects that we've been working on is creating something called graphene, which is a single layer of graphite. Now, I, I'm not going to bore uh, your listeners with what a layer of uh, graphite looks like, but just think of chicken wire. <laughs> If you think of chicken wire and one molecule thick, that is what graphene is. And graphene is an ultra-tough uh, carbon compound. It's you know used in bulletproof vests, and it's also a, an excellent conductor of electricity. So there are a lot of potential uses for graphene. One of the challenges right now is it's so doggone expensive to make. 
It's being made from natural gas right now. And I'm not going to go into the details of the process, but you're talking of thousands of dollars a gram for this stuff. Mm-hmm. And we're, we're trying to use some of our North Dakota lignites and bring that price point down where it can be used in more products. Hmm. Yeah, that's, that's really interesting. So that's something that um, I've heard from, from a couple other folks, too, just focusing on, you know, North Dakota and our lignite coal are just really the things that you can pull out of that at such a, a price point that makes it very competitive to to utilize. That's That's pretty cool. Yes, it really is. And that's one of the things that when we're working on projects here, we always have in the back of our mind the economics. You know, mm-hmm. We need to make sure that we are producing technologies that are going to be economically viable. Now, you can argue the merits of whether we should be doing CO2 capture or should not be doing it. Uh, you know, The only thing more contentious than climate change are politics and religion. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that might be a big maybe. Uh, so we kind of we kind of check our political hats at the door, mm-hmm. and if if we, as a society, have decided that we want to capture CO2 from pretty much anything, is the way uh, the direction is going right now. Low carbon footprint, low carbon intensity energy, and everything else. I want the best CO2 capture on a power utility, for example, that I can possibly get. Until mm-hmm. we can get to the point uh, where we have a new energy generation technology that inherent to it has a low carbon footprint, mm-hmm. we're ways away from that yet. So we're going to have to use the energy generation fleet that we have right now. And a lot of that is fossil based. Mm-hmm. So, you know, kind of just talking about that carbon capture, a little bit about that process. I think that, you know, m- my listeners and myself have learned a little bit about that carbon capture and what it looks like. But from your standpoint, what is carbon capture? What are what's that process? Okay, it it is uh, a, a bit of a complex uh, process to go through. But I, I will try and simplify it and put it in terms that that pretty much anybody can understand. So coming out of the um, chimney of a power plant, you have mainly CO2 water vapor, oxygen, and nitrogen. There are some other contaminants there as well that our industry has done a really good job of bringing as low as possible, uh, SO2 and NOx, things like that, the the, the components that form uh, acid gases and acid rain. Now, before you can take that flue gas and put it into a carbon capture, CO2 capture system, you have to scrub everything out, all of the other contaminants out, ultra-low levels of SO2 and NOx, and particulate matter, so no fly ash carryover. Uh, it then goes through a series of really just big columns and big pipes and gets contacted with a solution of water and an organic molecule called an amine. Now, there are many different kinds and forms of amines, but what you need to know is that that amine will very readily react with the CO2. And then you have the solution of water and the amine react with CO2 that you send over to another column and you hit it with a little bit of heat. And when you heat up that molecule that's reacted with the CO2, it lets go of the CO2. And so coming mm-hmm. off of that stripper column is a relatively pure stream of CO2 that has a little bit of water in it and a little bit of oxygen. And then it's just dehydrated and compressed. And now you have a compressed stream. CO2 uh, that you can store 
or used in an enhanced soil recovery uh, scenario. Hmm. Now, so my brain has gone, you know, a bunch of questions coming through here. So what does that mean to, uh, you know, somebody like me, the everyday person, like what would that um, benefit or the uses be for, for the consumer? There's a there's a couple couple things here that that would be useful. Uh, one of them being the enhanced soil recovery. Uh, that CO2 can then be used to inject in the ground and produce more oil from oil wells that have pretty much, you know, through conventional means, have produced as much oil as they can. Mm -hmm. uh, the other impact, the thing that you need to know about that process, is it does increase the cost of electricity coming out of that out of that plant. Um, mm -hmm. You know, you could be anywhere from 30% more to 50% more, or even numbers a little bit higher. And that's where the economics roll in. If you can do something beneficial with that CO2, mm -hmm. bring that impact to the plant uh, down even more. Hmm. So it's, it's producing and running more efficiently from what I'm understanding. The plant is still running at the same efficiency. Um, the uh, CO2 capture system mm -hmm. actually puts a, a little bit of an additional demand and load on the plant. Uh, so from an efficiency standpoint, uh, not as efficient, but cleaner. Cleaner. And that, you know, cleaner, that's the key word that we hear a lot is, you know, with especially like you said with the environment, that we want to keep our environment and be taking care of it. So when we say cleaner, that's something, that's a key word that we're, we're listening to and paying attention to. Yes, absolutely right. And a lot of people will say things like low carbon intensity or lower carbon footprint. Mm -hmm. And that power would, you know, fit that bill. It would have a low uh, carbon footprint when that carbon dioxide CO2 is then stored uh, safely underground. Mm -hmm. So I know that um, we had, you know, another guest on the show here. We talked about storing that CO2 and kind of what that looks like. But what what's the load? Is that back onto the plants to to store that CO2? I mean, what does that look like? So there are a couple of different scenarios that you can, can think about. So the plant could say, okay, yes, I want to get into the CO2 storage business and can start to expand their business into that. Or another company can come in and do the CO2 storage aspect of it. And that's what a lot of people are doing. A lot of folks that are looking at CO2 capture, utilization, and storage is a, a different company comes in and does the storage part of it. Uh, is there something called 45Q tax credits? And I'm sure you talked about that a little bit with mm -hmm. uh, one of my previous colleagues. Uh, in order to be able to qualify and monetize those tax credits, you have to have a tax appetite or you have to have a tax bill. Mm -hmm. Now, a lot of our power generators are co-ops and they don't have a tax bill. So they're not able to monetize those credits. So you have to set up a structure uh, that's able to do that. Mm -hmm. that's, that's really interesting. So from the EERC standpoint, you guys are really kind of the brains behind the operation. I mean, you're you're focused on that technology. You're focused on developing that technology further, right? Well, there's a there's a lot of smart people behind behind the technology and the whole operation. It really takes a a team of people from the tax equity folks to the to the uh, technology vendors. We help the technology vendors and the power plants get together and be able to make these technologies work uh, and make projects go forward. 
That's that's true. It's a it's a collaboration and a, a team effort, I guess, if you will. Yeah, it absolutely is. You know, from a, a day-to-day basis, I work with uh, with lawyers, with accountants, with uh, scientists, engineers, uh, and everything in between. Uh, our machinists, our fabricators, our operators, uh, everybody plays an important role. Mm-hmm. And and bringing everyone to the table to to basically focus on this technology. Do you feel like um, Do you feel like North Dakota specifically because of some of the stuff that you know all these groups are doing and the EERC is doing? Do you feel like we have other states looking to us as kind of one of the leaders, or you know, looking at the technology that we're developing and and you know, kind of seeing what we're doing? I think we absolutely are being looked at as a leader. Uh, right now, CO2 capture projects in North Dakota are a lot easier to do than they are other places uh, for the some simple, I shouldn't say simple, but for some uh, foresight that our, our state leaders had with uh, getting primacy uh, for CO2 for North Dakota, uh, North Dakota giving additional tax incentives to CO2 projects. Uh, Saying that they will take over the liability for the CO2, you know, after injection has ceased. These are all a lot of very valuable things that has created a favorable business climate mm-hmm. within our state, uh, both from a capture and sequestration standpoint. A lot of people are are looking at that, going, hey, if they can make this work in North Dakota, let's start looking at how we can make this work in our state. Right. Right. So is it something that you would say um, from an economical standpoint, is this good for our economy? Oh, absolutely. Uh, We we have done some uh, analyses of what this means for our economy. And, you know, it depends on how many power plants within our state decide to start capturing CO2. But during construction phases, as you start to build these CO2 capture systems, you're not going to build them overnight. Multiple right. years it's going to take to permit and, and build and shake down these systems. And then you need to build pipelines. And then you need to do the oil field side of things. So we're talking about you know hundreds of millions and billions of dollars uh, of impact to our economy and thousands of jobs, thousands mm-hmm. of long-term high-paying jobs, and mm-hmm. creating a, a new business within our state and the carbon capture and sequestration world, uh, and hopefully we can uh, start using some CO2 for enhanced soil recovery, and that would be you know, an additional leg to that stool. Hmm. That's so cool. So for some of our listeners that are new, is this something that um, we currently have power plants utilizing in North Dakota? So we do have one uh, facility in the state of North Dakota that is providing CO2 to an oil field, and that is uh, the Dakota Gasification Facility. It's not a power plant. They make synthetic natural gas from lignite as well as some other products, fertilizers, specialty gases. Uh, But they have been sending a stream of CO2 up into the Weyburn-Mydale area uh, since the early 2000s, and it's being used for enhanced oil recovery, and it's working well up there. And I can tell you that geology doesn't change just because you, you know, cross that uh, specific parallel to the north of us. You know, it's the geology and the rocks are the same down here yeah. than there. There, but we hmm. we we have a pretty good idea that it's going to work. We just need to be able to do the due diligence and get that source of CO2. Sure. What would you say some of the um, 
not, I don't want to say roadblocks, but some of the, um, you know, looking to other power plants that really we want to get this, you know, carbon capture within them. What are some of those steps or um, I guess, you know, hindrances that they're looking at that are keeping them from doing it right now? That's a really good question, Kate. And some of them are uh, looking at the risk involved. And we're talking about large dollar amounts. If yeah. you want to build a CO2 capture sequestration and EOR and injection project, you're talking billions, okay, with mm-hmm. a B. And that's a lot of money, you know, $1.5 billion to $2 billion uh, to build one of these projects. And these power utilities, they produce power for, for people, for consumers. And they mm-hmm. always need to be concerned about how much of that should they be passing on to their to their ratepayers, and what is it going to do to the cost of electricity? Is it going to make them so they're third, fourth, fifth, sixth, even farther on down the dispatch line when their power comes to be dispatched? You know, they they have their consumers in mind, and number one, it's it's cost. These are expensive projects, and and secondly, you know, there haven't been a lot of these done. Mm-hmm. You know, they did the one at Petronova. They did the one up at Boundary Dam. And there's some lessons learned you know, from those first two projects that were built. And we're, we're building off of those. We're learning from those uh, particular um, particular installations. And we're, you know, doing our best not to repeat some of the, uh, the things that cause challenges with those projects. And mm-hmm. I'd say it's just going to be time. Mm-hmm. So if we if we're looking at you know just specifically within the state of North Dakota and we have you know power plants that are uh, we want to have this technology utilized from say from tomorrow we get the green light on them how long is that process to really get all of those pieces in place are we talking years uh, you know months I mean what does that look like it, it's years it's definitely years. I would say if you decided today that you want to start putting together a carbon capture and utilization project, you have, I don't know, four years of work to do. Wow. And a little bit more mm-hmm. before you are completely done. When you have to look at not just the capture side, what capture technology you're going to use with your plant. You have to design and construct that. But you also have to look at the geological aspect of it. You have to mm-hmm. look at, okay, where are we going to put this CO2? Uh, what sort of uh, landowner agreements are we going to have to get to store the CO2? What does the yeah. geology look like? A lot of the CO2 storage reservoirs in North Dakota have not been as well characterized as some of the petroleum-producing rocks because you know there's no oil in them, or there <laughs> might not be as much oil in them, so why would we look at them? So there, right. there, there's a lot of work that needs to be done on the uh, geology and geophysics side of things. Uh, and some of that can happen in concert with the CO2 capture. But, you know, if you're looking at a project and you go, oh, man, am I going to invest all this money in the geology uh, doing all those assessments if I get through my pre-feed and my feed study on the capture mm-hmm. island and it looks like it's not going to work? So mm-hmm. you're you're making a bet. You're you're, you're kind of looking at how much money do I want to spend up front or at the same time? Do I want to be in that race to start monetizing some of these tax credits? 
Interesting. Interesting. So the, you know, taking advantage of those tax credits, that's a, a big incentive, right? It, yes, it is. And so the tax credits we're talking about are 45Q tax credits, and it's $50 per metric ton of CO2 that's put in storage. If you are to use that CO2 for enhanced oil recovery, uh, you can get $35 per ton uh, for mm-hmm. CO2 that you uh, put into EOR. So we're, we're talking about some relatively large dollars, and you're hoping in a enhanced oil recovery EOR scenario that you're able to sell the CO2 to an oil field operator uh, so you'd be able to get some income there as well. Uh, and right now, folks that are looking at CO2 capture in North Dakota say, hey, the, the numbers seem to look favorable. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, definitely. I, I'm definitely understanding how, you know, just from our conversation, there's there's a lot of, you know, big challenges and, and areas that, you know, okay, this, this might be something that it'll, it'll take time and take money, but there's also a lot of great benefits that could come from it as well, too. So, I mean, it's, it's very interesting, and that's I, the collaboration that must happen between all of the different companies and agencies, and, I mean, it, it just it definitely takes a village. Yeah, absolutely. It, it takes a village of scientists, engineers, business peoples, lawyers, you know, all of these uh, different disciplines to talk to each other uh, to make this happen, to make it work. Sure. So in the next, you know, five years, what what do we got going on here for the EERC, specifically within this area? So we're continuing to support uh, CO2 capture projects uh, within the state of North Dakota. We've been working a lot with the uh, Project Tundra folks, and they're they're moving they're moving into their uh, feed study, which is their front end engineering and design on their capture facility, and starting to look at the geology. Um, so we're going to continue to support that project uh, if we can, and others that that come up um, within the state that say, "Hey, we want to do CO2 capture. We're going to be there to support them." Uh, there have been. Uh, at least one other entity that's approached us, and we're we're helping them out, uh, and we're going to you know expand into other into other regions as other regions are are watching and seeing what we're doing here in North Dakota. I know that our services are going to be asked for uh, in other places as well. Yeah, and just being from North Dakota, that's something that you know makes you just so proud to hear, and you know really cool to hear that we're we're one of the leaders within the, the country on this and other people are looking to us. So that's, that's really cool. So never a dull, dull moment in the day in the life there at the ERC, specifically your job, huh? Yeah, no, ne- never a dull moment. I drink about a <laughs> pot and a half of coffee every day. And it, uh, I, I try not to go through life decaffeinated. That's no way to go through life. Absolutely. It keeps, it keeps me rolling and my days go by uh, very, very quickly, which is a good thing. Absolutely. Now, Jason, thanks so much. So if our listeners want to learn more about what we talked about today or, you know, kind of just dive in a little bit more into um, into the area, where can they go? Well, they can go to our website, www.undeerc.org. We have a lot of links to uh, one-pagers and fact sheets, and we even have some, some videos out there uh, uh, that, that folks can find, uh, materials there that you can grab and uh, and read up a little bit more. Cool. All right. Well, Jason, thanks so much. I appreciate you joining us. And again, my mind is now kind of in that, oof, that was a lot of information. So we appreciate you sharing it with us. 
Yeah, no worries. Thanks for the opportunity, Kate. All right. Thanks, Jason. Thank you for listening to another episode of Mind, America's Lignite Energy Podcast. For more information on Lignite Energy in North Dakota, visit lignite.com. Thank you.